Let's do this. Ooh, crispy. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. This is John here, as always, with Toaster. And today we're going to talk about the quarterbacks that have moved to new teams. Now, we're excluding the rookies, but just looking strictly at veterans that are starters, new starters on a different team than they were last year. We're going to talk about the impact on the win-loss record that they'll have, both positive and negative. We're going to talk about who elevates their team to contender status, potentially, and who is going to throw up the best stat line. So... Uh, without further ado, let's do this. All right, Toaster. So there's been a decent amount of quarterback movement this offseason. Maybe not as much as was anticipated going in, would you say? I felt like... Still a, still a crazy amount. I, th- I By week one, I think half of the NFL will have a new starting quarterback under center week one. And uh, it, you can split hairs and say that you know Herbert's a new starting quarterback under center because he started week two not week one but you throw in the Tua's the Hurts and then the five draft picks yeah that you have um combined with all the trades that we've had it's there's a lot of movement yeah and there's obviously more that could still happen with Aaron Rodgers potentially um you know we'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson I suppose but Bottom line is we have a lot of new veteran starters on, or a lot of new starters that are veterans on new teams. And what we wanted to do here is sort of look at those guys, the the moves that teams made, the trades that they made, the signings that they made in free agency. For the sake of this exercise, we're going to exclude rookie quarterbacks, although we might come back to that later. But we're going to talk about who is going to have the largest impact positive and negative on the overall win-loss record. Now, I, I will add an additional caveat here that there is now 17 games in the regular season. So, um, you know, a game here and there obviously uh, could change just because of that. But for the sake of the exercise, you know, we'll we'll note that. But just moving forward here, we'll getting into which starter, which new starter is going to have the biggest positive impact on his team's win-loss record. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I went second last time. So how about I go second this time? Oh, okay. Nice. All right. Well, mine uh, might not come as a surprise to anyone that's listened to us because I'm actually fairly high on this team, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Washington football team I think is going to make the biggest impact or have the most positive impact on their win-loss record from last year to this year. So the Washington football team went seven and nine last year. They did win the NFC East at seven and nine, which woo, but will never happen again. At least (laughs) you're right. That will, that is one positive of the 17 game schedule. We will never have a seven and nine team make the playoffs. Uh, or hopefully never a seven win team period. Let's just hope that's the case. Yeah. But Washington football team last year had one of the top defenses in the NFL. They have Terry McLaurin on the outside. They had a, a decent run game. I mean, they, 
they were okay. Antonio Gibson ended up being a, a very solid player for them out of the backfield. And they had Dwayne Haskins and, you know, kudos to Alex Smith for coming back from that injury, but just wasn't the same guy, obviously. So Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith, they were probably two of the worst starters in the entire league. And I'm not even talking 32. I'm talking, you know, into the 30s to 40 guys that just got in and started games. They were awful for them. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know what he is, right? He's a fucking roller coaster. He's probably a league average quarterback when all is said and done. He's going to give you some really high highs. You might get some really low lows, but I think he gives them, even with that volatility, he's going to give them a much more steady, positive force within that offense this year. I can easily see them winning 10 games. That division, I'm not sold on. I think they have a lot of easy wins within that within that division itself. But looking at the rest of their schedule, um, outside of their division, they'll play the NFC South. So they'll have Atlanta, who, again, not super high on here. Um, they're going to get Carolina, who I think they beat pretty handily. And that's not to say I don't think Carolina's awful, but I, I do think they get that pretty good. And you put it all together. There's some coin flip games in there. I think Fitzpatrick is going to do enough to push them, you know, forward like seven wins as a division winner is whatever. But I, I think 10 wins is easily achievable with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I, I don't agree with anything you've just said, but I respect what you've just said because <laughs> Washington football team is still looking for a mascot. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick is able to take the Washington football team to the playoffs, then that is going to be the best logo in 2022 when they become the Washington Fitzmagics and just fully embrace his, his just beauty um, with that beard, put some God, shades that on beard. Him. Yeah. Um, I, I, are you picking them to win the NFC, uh, NFC East then? I am. I, I think Dak will you know, bring the Cowboys back to respectability, but I'm not sold on the Cowboys at all. I think Washington's defense is real fucking good. And that's mostly what I'm buying here. Uh, getting even league average quarterback play or even 15 to 20 quarterback play, I think really boosts that team and the rest I mean, of that division. I'm just not sold on. They almost beat the defending Super Bowl cha champions with Taylor Haneke. So, I mean, yeah. I can I can respect what you're saying. Um, what I don't like is that you chose to throw Carolina under the bus because that was my pick is Sam Ooh. Darnold with the Carolina Panthers um, being the biggest win differentiator in uh, 2021. Uh, I will say you, before you get going into here, they were a very close second for me. Okay. But yeah. But they lost the head to head against Fitzmagic. So, they um, did. yeah. So, Carolina won five games last year. Right now, Vegas has them at seven and a half wins. Pick your book, whatever. Um, going through their schedule, I think that momentum gets talked about a lot in football. And I think that there's a lot of um, hubris around that. But there, there is some validity to it. And their, their first six games, Jets win. Saints, who knows? Texans, 
wins. Cowboys, who knows? Eagles. And then if you want to keep going, Vikings, Giants, Falcons. They couldn't yeah. easily get to a position of four and three, five and two, and be looking good. If you look back at what um, Matt Rule did for Teddy Bridgewater last year, would you would you believe me if I told you that Teddy Bridgewater had a career a year last year? Probably not. No, I mean, I I think one of his first couple of years with Minnesota, I would I thought was pretty decent. Yeah. And- so 2015, he was a Pro Bowler. He went 11 and five. Last year, he went four and 11. 2015, he had 14 TDs. 2020, he had 15 TDs. Nine interceptions versus 11 interceptions. 3,200 passing yards versus 3,700 passing yards. 57 QBR versus 64 QBR. And so maybe you're saying, oh, well, he had a bunch of rushing stats to support that. He had three rushing TDs in 2015 for under 200 yards. He had five rushing TDs for nearly 300 yards last year. So you're talking about his Pro Bowl year versus his 4-11 and year under Matt Rule. And all he's got to do is get Sam Darnold to not see ghosts anymore, and Carolina might be right back in it. Um, I, I would potentially put them above the Falcons uh, with Julio out of division, mm-hmm. and uh, we can continue to talk quarterbacks later, but I, I'm not high on the Saints anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. That that makes a ton of sense to me. I think there's a lot more to work with with Darnold than he obviously showed, right? And the key to all of this is Joe Brady. And they they get Christian McCaffrey back healthy for, you know, hopefully, right? The whole year. And if Joe Brady can do half of what he did with Teddy Bridgewater with Sam Darnold and his talent level, then I I'm with you, man. I, I can see them. I don't think they're a playoff team, but five wins to eight wins, maybe nine wins. It's feasible for sure. Uh, And so you've got Matt rule. You've got Joe Brady. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey is coming back. I think that this is what is the foray to getting Joe Brady reunited with Joe Burrow and and Jamar chase. Uh, back on the Bengals. Um, I think that there's going to be a little LSU Tiger reunion after this year because I see that offense doing things that nobody really is giving them credit for right now, and I see them as second in the um, NFC South. Um, sorry. And their last four games are tough: Bills, Bucks, Saints, Bucks. But again, it's a uh, what have you done for me lately league? And if they're, if they've got a positive win percentage going into those last four games, there's going to be a, a lot of banter around getting, getting Joe Brady off that team and um, Sam Darnold turning his career around. I, honestly, Joe Brady could have left last year and probably scored a head coaching job. I mean, everyone is high on that dude for sure. Um, Darnold, uh, again, they, pick, they you know, picked Darnold over Justin Fields. They didn't extend Darnold until the Friday after the first round of the draft, and they had a chance to take Fields if they wanted him and chose to take J.C. Horn instead. Yeah, <laughs> that's still a decision that I think is very poor and will end up haunting them. But uh, hopefully, if they can 
you know, perform a little exorcism on the ghosts that are haunting Sam Darnold, it will at least in the short term not be the worst decision they could have made. So I'm 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 bored with you. Tannehill was left for dead too. And now he's being talked about as a potential Super Bowl contender. So if Rule and Brady see something in Darnold that Adam Gase managed to ruin, it's honest it's like the conjuring part two. <laughs> well, I okay. Tannehill, I don't think is a fair comparison. Tannehill had a lot more success than we've seen from Sam Darnold prior to his moving on from the Dolphins. Um, It's very rare that somebody with the three-year track record that Darnold has had uh, can turn it around. I'm not saying he can't. And I I do believe if anyone can do it, it's going to be Joe Brady and the playmakers that they have around him. But, yeah, I don't know. There's been five teams in NFL history that have had four players go over 1,000 yards. And one of those teams was the 2020 Carolina Panthers. That's fucking wild. Mike Davis, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Curtis Samuel. With Teddy Bridgewater throwing 15 TDs and 11 interceptions. So if you're looking for somebody to turn around an offense and is much flack as you might want to throw Sam Donald's way. It may not take much to put them over the edge to get a bunch more wins. Yeah. Okay, man. You've, you've convinced me, although it didn't take much. Like I said, they were, they were probably second on my list there, but the Washington uh, football teams down to nine wins, I think is what we got out of this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the swing game there. Okay, well, if we're going to continue to follow our snake format from last time, who do you see as a new starter that's going to have the most negative impact on their win-loss record from the previous year? So this was tough for me because I think there's one person that's going to have a bigger negative effect on the franchise and one person that's going to have a bigger negative effect on the win-loss total. Uh, okay. I really wanted to go to a here. I think Tua and the Dolphins are set up for a pretty drastic regression based on what I saw out of Tua last year. If you just start or you just look at starting quarterbacks um, that played at least 20% of their team snaps, Tua was ranked 33rd last year. But I think ultimately in what the win in um, PFF grade overall oh, okay. quarterback play passer passer grade um, and the problem is that they're projected for 10 wins right now and they won nine games last year. So that's not a huge differential. The saints last year won 12 games. They're now projected for nine and a half games. That's a negative two and a half game differential. And if you look at Jameis Winston's stats over his career, he is setting this team up to fail. Um, He's only had one winning season in his entire career. 121 TDs, 88 interceptions, 169 sacks. Guess who he's replaced by uh, his last year with Tampa Bay? Who? Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about somebody that apparently maybe be, may be the biggest win differentiator for their team based on, based on your last uh, little segment. But that means that he was benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick in that same amount of time. 
uh, Breeze threw for 30 more TDs, 40 less interceptions, and had 60 less sacks. You can talk about scheme all you want, but I think are you do you think that Drew Brees is a more mobile quarterback, more likely to be able to avoid sacks than Jameis Winston? Well, no, he's not a more mobile quarterback. Yeah, that's that's so a I, between the ears thing there. Exactly, and I don't think that sitting behind Breeze for one year changes that. So I see again the Saints not being number two overall in the in NFC that South. Division. Yeah. Um, taken over by the Panthers, and that means that uh, Jameis is the, responsible for the largest win-loss deficit um, of all of the QB transitions that have been going on. How would you handicap that if Taysom Hill is ultimately the starter? Do you think that I matters? We were, I thought we were only evaluating quarterbacks in this exercise. <laughs> yes, fair enough. Uh, I'm also with you on that. I think Winston in a fair fight actually wins that quarterback battle, despite all the things you just said about him. Um, okay. Also like three years younger than Taysom Hill. Yeah. Taysom Hill was like 26 years old when he came into the league. Yeah. So So if you're going to put, if you're going to put, if you're going to try to develop anybody, it's going to be Jameis Winston at this point, not Taysom Hill, despite the fact that Taysom Hill's making damn near $10 million. Yeah, man, hundred and forty million dollar contract. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I didn't do I didn't do the most recent math. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think your your two go hand in hand, right? So you see the Panthers taking a step forward, um, even if Darnold's not a world beater, and the Breeze drop off will be enough, more or less, to like offset those wins, right? And um, get the the Panthers into that next level saints drop off. I'm, I'm with you. I I think the saints, so the saints won 12 games last year and obviously Tampa's coming back in full force. I, I agree. I think the Panthers are going to be a much better team and yeah, man, it's the saints are going to, they're in a tough spot right now. They're in a very tough spot right now. And I think breeze retiring ultimately it, actually helped them in the short term, right? To to clear up the cap space that they needed. They obviously had to move mountains elsewhere, but yeah, they're in a they're in a really tough spot. So I completely feel you on that with Jameis Winston for sure. So And then just a little teaser is Michael Thomas in the same situation that Allen Robinson and potentially Devontae Adams are next year if uh, Jameis truly does not perform as as expected and carry this team to continue to win. He could be, or or they might be in a Julio Jones Atlanta situation where they need to move him because what other options do they have and he actually holds value? Yeah, that's that's a great it's, call. We could it's be... The exact, it's the exact same situation where post-June 1 transaction is highly favorable to the saints yeah oh all right well that's a little fun nugget to look look forward to if you're a fan of a team that needs a wide receiver that could be that could be awesome okay well so my you went with a 12 win team to regress i'm going a little bit of a different route here the Lions won five games last year. 
with Matthew Stafford. Um, <laughs> as for anyone not aware, uh, the Rams and Lions swapped quarterbacks this offseason. So Matthew Stafford is now the starter for the LA Rams. Jared Goff is the presumed starter for the Detroit Lions. That Lions team is going to be very bad. And Stafford, you know, is probably the the poster child for this generation of putting up gaudy numbers. And he's going to make a Hall of Fame case because of that, despite the fact that he probably doesn't belong there. But Stafford, by all accounts, was still propping up that team a very decent amount for a very long time, including last season. Jared Goff, God bless him. You know, he had a hell of a run with Sean McVay, but this is a team that you look at their schedule for this year and there's not many games on that schedule that you look at and say, okay, we can, we can maybe pencil that in as a win or even that's, that's a coin toss. They, they're going to be bad, man. They're going to be very bad. And I could easily see them winning two, three games and you know they were an afterthought last year and they could be challenging the texans for the number one pick this year with jared goff yeah which is shocking compared to uh, the fall has been amazing um obviously sean mcveigh has been a little bit of a, a wonderkind in his his coaching but jared goff 2018 he had 4600 passing yards 32 touchdowns only 12 in interceptions and scored three points in the Super Bowl and is now on the Detroit Lions. Not only is he on the Detroit Lions, his value was so low they had to give up two first-round draft picks to get him to the Detroit Lions. Yeah. This is a guy that had 4,600 yards in back-to-back -back seasons. Now, last year, you know, he obviously took an even further step back. He still almost threw for 4,000 yards. and. That probably says more about Sean McVay than anything, right? Um, and that's mostly my point here is Jared Goff has the league's figured him out. He's going to a team that no offense to Dan Campbell. I'm not all that convinced that biting off kneecaps is the way to a successful offense. And who does he have around him? That, yeah, that was I, I, obviously the Lions were in a rebuilding mode, never in the Julio Jones uh, market, but they've done absolutely nothing to to replace the Kenny Galladay and the Marvin Jones that they lost. Uh, maybe they're relying on TJ Hawkinson to <laughs> be their Kyle Turn Pitts, into Gronk. Their Who the Kelsey, fuck? their Gronkowski, exactly. Uh, so it, to me, it's almost like they they are throwing in the, the towel before the season's even starting. Um, and I think that the, the golf trade somewhat leads into that because of how much they were willing to offload, um, to, to take on Goff's bloated, bloated contract. Yeah. I, I just don't, Jared Goff is going to have, I, I hope I don't wish ill on anybody. I hope he turns his career around and, you know, we're talking about him being a, a 15 year starter and all this stuff, but 
it's trending in the wrong direction right now. And going to lead a rebuilding Lions team is not the way I think to get it going in the right direction. So um, I I will say that you're you're wrong and I'm right um, in that (laughs) always uh, there will be a different. I do think that uh, Jameis will impact the Saints win loss total uh, more, mostly because now you've got two coin toss games against the uh, the Packers with Rogers retired. And that's a part of the modest three wins that I'm giving them is two coin toss <laughs> already games. factored in. It's <laughs> already factored in. <laughs> so if Rogers plays, wow. you're looking at a potential one win Detroit Lions team here. And there's going to be so, a coin toss with the Texans for who gets the number one pick. <laughs> so, so no love for Goff, regardless of whether or not Rogers is on the team. I, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Sorry, Jared. Well, ho- hopefully, uh, that's the early game on Thanksgiving and, uh, we can get that, we can get that behind us. Actually, I, hopefully it's like an afternoon game. And actually, I think they play the Bears on Thanksgiving, so I'll probably be awake for most of that. But if it's in the afternoon, you get a full belly, you get a few drinks in you. Maybe you can nap through like, you know, two thirds of the game and just catch, you know, a little bit, get your football juices flowing before the the night game or something. But yeah, you get drunk enough and you can see as much potential in golf as the Rams did when they offered him that contract. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right, so uh, moving forward here, you know, we've obviously touched on who we think is going to impact win-loss records, but that aside, who do you think is going to provide the most value from a contention standpoint? Now, you know, there, there's some guys here, you you slot them in, they may not move the needle too much from a win-loss record next season, but does it make a team more formidable in the playoffs? Does it give them an opportunity to, you know, it, is it a guy that can win you a game in the playoffs ultimately if you need him to? And that could be the difference maker between you, you know, going out in the first round or maybe making a Super Bowl run. So is there any of these new guys that you see as taking a team to the next level as a contender? I'm going to, I'm going to let you go first um that's i'm trading my pick um to allow you to get rebutted on by me uh one thing i do want to let the listeners know is we did decide to rule justin herbert out of this conversation even though he was not technically the starter week one last year um he did uh do enough to um what's her name tara lipinski who who kneecapped that guy um whatever he paid oh tanya harding uh, (laughs) tanya harding yeah um whatever he paid the uh athletic trainer to legitimately stab tyrod taylor through the heart um was effective and obviously we think that he would have we'd have a successful career or a successful season with him um but he's not eligible for this conversation so with him removed who would you pick okay so kind of a theme I suppose with uh the last quarterback I talked about but I think Matt Stafford on the Rams with Sean McVay 
makes them a legit Super Bowl contender in the NFC. I don't think they win too many more games than they did last year. They went 10 and 6 last year. Their division is tough as hell. I expect the Seahawks and the 49ers to be battling for the top spot in that division with them. I think the Cardinals will win a decent number of games as well. That's going to be a really tough division. So I don't know if they win too much more than 10 games, uh, maybe 11, maybe 12 games with the 17 game season. Who knows? But Matt Stafford gives them just no offense to Jared Goff, man, but the talent level between those two guys is not the same, despite them both being number one overall picks. I think you get Stafford in that offense with Sean McVay throwing to a few more open guys using that big arm down the field. I think the the Rams are legit. They're on the short list here when I mean you factor in their defense, right? They're the playmakers that they do have. They are on a short list for NFC contenders. Yeah. Now, no, here's I, the part where you tell me I'm wrong. No, that's part of the reason I'll let you go first because I knew you were going to take the the low hanging fruit in pick <laughs> Stafford because uh, I a hundred percent agree with you that on paper that team is probably in my opinion number two in the NFC right now in contention with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, how many playoff games has Matthew Stafford won though? <laughs> Uh, I think as many as I've won. There you go. Yeah. So again, <laughs> we are draft eligible next year, unrestricted free agents. Um, we would be, but we, I don't think we got our paperwork in on time. So we got to stick it out till next year. Um, I'll sign for and, the league minimum guys. Just yeah. throwing it out there. <laughs> but no, uh, I a hundred percent agree that Stafford, if you've got Jared Goff throwing for 4,600 yards, Matt Stafford, his, thrown for over 4,000 yards in nine of his 10 seasons that he's played more than 10 games. And the season that he didn't, he threw for 3,700 yards. So he's going to put up his stats. And yeah. that's going to be a fun offense to watch, especially with Cam Akers getting a little bit more time under his belt. Um, Robert Woods, Cup, and uh, Everett's gone. But it, it, it's going to... it's going to be a dangerous offense especially with what sean McVay does um so I, I i can't i can't actually shit on anything you said with matthew stafford but for devil's yes. advocate i will say um i'm gonna go out on a limb and say carson Wentz can actually make it further um in the playoffs than matthew stafford i love the colts defense i think that math uh, that uh Carson Wentz can re rekindle his 2018 season. It's not going to be, you know, filled with stats, but effective and able to win games and potentially get them to compete with the Bills and the Chiefs and the AFC. Yeah, the Colts, they've got a very good roster. They went 11 and 5 last year and you know, God bless Philip Rivers, but um, you know, he, he's not, he wasn't the same guy, right. Uh, as evidenced by him retiring, but yeah. Carson Wentz, I'm with you. I, I think he's closer to, I, he's not the 2017 guy that was an MVP candidate, but he's, I think a lot closer to that 2018, 2019 version of himself than what we saw last year, at least for the Colts sake. I hope so. Cause he was 
very bad last year. But I, I'm with you. I think he, if he gets back to who he really is, and that offense will function in a way that allows him to do so, they'll run the ball, they'll protect him. That defense is solid, so you know they won't be. I think playing from behind a ton. I, and, I'm with you. This is this is where I was shocked that they didn't go all in on Julio Jones because if they had gone all in on Julio Jones, I would have put him above of Matthew above Matthew Stafford. Um, t- nothing against T.Y. Hilton; they're very very different receivers, and I think that having Julio Jones on that roster makes them a legitimate threat to take on the entire AFC. I'm not sure they quite have the firepower to do that right now, but Wentz would have been successful with Julio and they had the cap space. They had the opportunity to give up a a second round draft pick and a future fourth. Uh, I, I don't know why they didn't take it. And that would have been, that's what's making Carson Wentz an honorable mention in this discussion rather than Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I think Chris Ballard just seems to be, you know, I think this Wentz move aside, right? Fairly conservative with his draft picks. He likes to take the approach of acquiring as many as he can. And I I think the thing that hurt them the most with the Julio trade is that the pick for Wentz is conditional and they don't know if it's going to be a second or first rounder. So it's likely to convey as a first, I I believe as long as Wentz is healthy, it seems like, but um, yeah, that, that was surprising that they didn't put more effort into that. I I don't even really recall their names being mentioned much on the short list for Julio. I mean, you can say that, yeah, that it was conditional. I know we talked about that, that it made it harder to trade draft capital, but I, I, not an expert negotiator. I promise you the Eagles would have taken an, taken an unconditional first round pick for Wentz if they had to change that deal so that they could give up a second rounder for Julio. Oh yeah. Uh, you mean the Colts, the Colts would have given up Colts. an unconditional exactly, yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So, okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for both those teams. I think they're both playoff contenders Same. and I think that they're, they're past wildcard weekend for sure. I don't know Same. that, um, it's, it's ironic that now you can't line any of them up to even be their divisional winners. If you're, um, yeah, with the Julio trade, um, I still, I would still pick the Colts over the Titans. Um, but the, the NFC West is just chock full of talent and it's going to be neck and neck for me for the Rams, the 49ers. And then Russell Wilson's never lost or never not had double digit wins in his career. So now you add an extra game and it's even more assured that he's going to be at 10 wins. Yeah, for sure. I I think the other thing to remember with these two as well is that they both landed in probably the best situations of any of these new quarterbacks, right? I mean, you could maybe make a case for uh, Jameis Winston just sitting behind breeze and inheriting that roster, which is still pretty good, but the LA Rams and the Colts are, you know, they, they both won over 10 games last year. They both have pretty solid rosters. They have good defenses. Both of those guys landed in great spots. And that's part of the reason we're picking them where we are. Yeah, it, it is ironic in that we're talking quarterbacks. And one of the things that's mainly bolstering this is that I trust the Rams defense. I trust the Colts defense. And that's going to take them as far as anything else. 
Yeah, I mean, it just it takes so much pressure off of you, right? And especially getting to a new team, learning a new offense, you you can take a little more time, and it it won't kill your team, right? As you're learning things, and if there's bumps along the way early on in the season, because you can trust those the defenses, you can trust the run games, and uh, that you can trust the coaching staffs, frankly, uh, and. Uh, yeah, I think both of those guys are in for a big year. That said, who do you think of all these new guys puts up the most monster stat line for this upcoming season? In any one game, give me Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah. um, for an entire season, um, we'll just we, we won't take the the Stafford bait just because um, I think that it's it's too easy in that offense um i'm actually a little excited for for bridgewater for the broncos assuming aaron Rodgers retires this year um he put up 3700 yards last year with uh matt rule's offense joe brady's offense granted but i think he's far and away better than Locke, and he can he's going to need to make stuff happen in that division because there's going to be points scored in the AFC West. Hell yeah, man. No, I I'm with you. They're they're going to have to compete every single week. I just I can't buy into Teddy quite yet. I just can't. And I, I don't know what it is, but I just can't. Is it the fact that he has the name Bridge quarterback in his name? <laughs> that's very unfortunate actually yeah uh, he he should get that change to uh teddy start water or something yeah. just to <laughs> turn a page in his career um okay well it, we're not going to touch stafford because of uh the obvious there uh i think i have to go to the next most obvious one and, and talk about the guy we just talked about which is carson wentz i mean he he has the talent level, right, to put up an absolutely monster season. If they can protect him and allow him to wait for those long developing routes down the field to open up, to use that arm talent to hit, which last year was just a disaster. Like he was taking sacks, like he, he was the most sacked quarterback in the league. He had the most turnovers in the league, partially because of that. If he can use that ability to to wait for things to develop and attack and they can protect him, which it seems they can, and you add in the play action factor with Jonathan Taylor, I I like Carson Wentz to put up a pretty monster stat line for this year. Um, you know, 4,500 yards, 30 plus touchdowns, um, you know, the the big thing with him will be the turnovers, I think. And can he limit those? But I think this offense and, and Frank Reich are going to do a good job of putting him in a position to be successful. Yep. No, I a hundred percent agree with you on, on Carson Wentz. Uh, that would have been my pick if I wasn't trying to make a good podcast. Uh, but you know, it's even in his MVP year, granted it was three years short. He still had, 33 TDs, seven interceptions, and only 3,300 yards. So give him another three games, just over 4,000 yards, probably still shy of 40 TDs. Uh, he's never been a true 
stat quarterback, right? Like when you look at Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford's been all about the passing yards. Granted, he's been behind most of his career. Um, and yeah. that's the only thing that that's the only thing that, that holds me could back limit him. Pick, that's the only thing that holds me back from picking Carson Wentz is that even in his MVP year, which was at that point, I believe a can pretty much a consensus MVP 13 games into it. Um, still was going to be shy of 40 TDs. Yeah. I mean, you look at his 2019 season, which was uh, less than ideal. Uh, you know, he only completed 63 around 64% of his passes, which was down significantly from the year before. Um, he still threw for over 400 yards or 4,000 yards, uh, almost 30 touchdowns. I mean, he, he has the ability to put up numbers and he also, you know, he's a pretty athletic dude. Um, you know, if you get the play action game going and, and, you know, you want to add some layers to that offense with him now, granted health is always a concern, but, you know, get him going in some, some schemed run plays, get him, put him in some options and, uh, you know, some RPOs where he could pull it if he needs to. And it, you know, I think that'll only add to ultimately the, the monster line that he can put up. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Uh, you know, as I am with Matthew Stafford and actually a lot of these guys, um, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, like you said, if you're taking any one game, you know, that's a dude who can go, uh, 27 for 32 with, uh, 350 yards and five touchdowns. Right. And I think he could, he could do that a few times. And all of a sudden you're looking at a 4,000 yard season from Ryan Fitzpatrick, but, um, I'm, I'm excited about this turnover. I, I think we're at a really interesting point with the league where, yeah, there's a lot of teams that are unsettled at the position, but I do think that the quality of quarterback play has never been better, like top to bottom. You're now what you're seeing is is teams realizing they can interchange a lot of these middle tier guys because it doesn't hurt them, but teams are obviously still looking for the guy that they are winning because of. And that's where you're seeing a trade for like a Matthew Stafford or obviously the teams that are going out and trading draft capital like the 49ers to go up and get a Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. But I, I do think there's a lot of these guys still provide a lot of value to their new teams. And I'm excited, man. I mean, when we're less than a hundred days, just a reminder, the Packers also gave up draft capital to move up for their next QB. Um, so <laughs> as we're talking about who all these great things, obviously quarterbacks have a disproportional war to anybody else on the roster. Who, if any, is the first of these quarterbacks to get benched? Ooh. Um, well, uh, honestly, it's probably going to be I mean, if if we're declaring Winston the starter, he's probably the one that uh, might have the shortest leash. But uh, what about Jalen Hurts for the Eagles? And what's ironic about Hurts is Vegas has him as actually the biggest differentiator from a win-loss standpoint. They won four games last year. He is slated, or the Eagles are slated to win seven and he yeah. had a worse passing grade than Carson Wentz did last year. Uh, he was exciting, don't get me wrong, but it's also kind of an artifact of not having game film on a quarterback. And 
I'm not sure that the Eagles made the right decision to trade up for a wide receiver instead of trading up for a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, the NFC East, man, Jesus. Their their quarterback decisions uh <laughs> we're just looking back at them, right? They had they had a 7 and 9 division winner last year. Who wins that division and with with how many game, you know, how many games does it take, do you think? I I still think it I still think it ultimately ends up being 10 just because they're playing each other ultimately. Yeah. Um which ties aside guarantees a win. Um but where I was going to go with this is <laughs> you look at who's been a successful quarterback in the NFC East and you're talking about like an undrafted free agent and Tony Romo was amazing. You've got a 500 regular season Eli Manning that's now a Hall of Famer. You've got Donovan McNabb was absolutely fantastic, but that's what 10 years ago at this point was the last oh, time. More than that. Were, yeah, 2008. Um, Washington football team hasn't had anybody since Joe Theismann, right? Like we're th this for hey, something. Don't you talk shit about Rex Grossman like that, okay, Toaster? You, I for, don't I you dare. Okay, he he was who we thought he was. Hey, and Kyle Shanahan actually got quite a bit out of sexy Rexy. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly here, let's see. <laughs> Rex Grossman, aka the Sex Cannon. He had a season in Washington where he threw for 3,100 yards. <laughs> he had 16 touchdowns and 20 interceptions, but. <laughs> He threw for 3,100 yards and they won five games. And uh, were they adding the yards from the interceptions to his total? Or were those <laughs> yeah. negative? Yeah, uh, I don't think that counts. Kyle Shanahan, Jesus Christ. That guy, he is, he's a fucking magician. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see what he does with Garoppolo this year, as well as potentially Lance, but I think Garoppolo gets the nod for. Uh, the foreseeable future. Um, there is one more thing that I wanted to point out that I don't think most of the listeners will know. Actually, I'm almost positive none of the listeners will know based on um, our most recent anchor um, viewership or listenership. So um, guys, get on that. Come on, tell your friends. Um, the Panthers didn't lose a single game last year by more than one possession to any team outside of their division. They were really? negative... 63 point differential against the Saints, the Bucks, and the Falcons. Every other game, they were within eight points. Wow. So when I say Jets, Saints, Texans, Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Giants, um, and you get into the middle of their schedule, Cardinals, Washington football team, um, they beat both Cardinals and the Washington football team the previous year. So holy shit I, yeah i they were not far off so now they added uh they finally drafted an offensive uh player in the draft first time matt rules uh uh potential legacy and that is pretty wild actually i think that <laughs> i think they're poised for for some big movement okay all right Toaster is on the Panthers train. Um, 
I'm I'm not fully buying in, but I'll um I'll dip my toe into the water. I'll dip my I mean, toe into were, the water. They were negative thirty-seven point differential to the Bucks, negative twenty-nine point differential to the Saints. But you give them a toss-up with the Saints now with Winston. Um, they were one-one against the Falcons. Um, it's there. There's potentially a couple victories there that get them right back into the the conversation. I just think the NFC is too strong. Uh, you'd look at the NFC West alone, and the Panthers may not be able to break in with eight nine wins just because of yeah, the fact they'll that, need to win the division exactly well they won't need to win the division because i don't think that that's up for discussion but um they'll need the cardinals to drop off pretty substantially in my opinion um and they'll need the probably need rogers out of the nfc and they'll probably need either the vikings or the bears to shit the bed yeah, it uh, the NFC is going to be really interesting this year just because of the strength of the NFC West. But um, hey, we'll see. Sam Darnold, maybe Joe Brady can work some magic with him. All right, everyone. Well, that will do it for this episode. Thanks for listening as always. Uh, please subscribe where you get your podcasts. A reminder again that we are now officially on Apple Podcasts. So subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment. And follow us on Twitter at NPTFBall, where you will find our commentary on the daily. Uh, anything else before we go, Toaster? The Panthers did all this with only 600 rushing yards from, from Davis. So now that they get Christian McCaffrey back, it's going to be exciting. All right. Uh, Toaster is the conductor of the Carolina Panthers train, clearly, for this season. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening.